Vacation alert from the three-row Jeep Grand Cherokee L. Mama and Papa want to go hiking. Los abuelos want to relax at the beach. And the kids want to go to the amusement park. With seating for up to seven, you and your loved ones can enjoy all these adventures and more. Jeep, there's only one. Visit jeep.com to learn more. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Jack Evans, one of Bike Radar's digital writers. This week I'm joined by Tom Bell, who runs High North Performance Coaching, advising hundreds of athletes on how to ride faster. We discuss all things power, how to measure it, who should be measuring it, and how it could benefit your riding, whether you're a road rider, gravel rider, or mountain biker. Tom's also a highly talented athlete himself, having topped international mountain bike podiums and being the reigning UK national hill climb champion. But before we begin, please remember to share and subscribe to the podcast. Cheers, Tom. So, um, yeah, thanks very much for coming on the uh, Bike Radar podcast. Would you be able to introduce yourself to our listeners who don't know who you are already? Sure, yeah. Um, so, I suppose there's two elements to me that are sort of somewhat interesting. Um, firstly, I'm uh, an athlete. Uh, so, I have traditionally raced uh, on the mountain bike um, quite a lot. So, I've done some, some World Cup level racing, um, managed to grab a national title in 2017 in the marathon discipline and then came fairly close uh, to the cross-country Olympic distance title in 2018. Um, And then more recently, I've done some hill climbs, which I know Bike Radar are are big fans of uh, the UK hill climb scene. Um, I'm a current hill climb national champion in in that discipline. Um, And then uh, on my sort of more professional side, I guess I'm a a coach or performance consultant and uh, I run a small uh, company with my with my wife, and that's called um, High North Performance, isn't it? That's correct. Yeah. So the, the yeah the website is uh, highnorth.co.uk, and uh, we run sort of coaching, uh, consulting, and uh, and produce information resources as well, sort of from from that company. And um, from your own athletic side, um, how's this season going? What are your targets for the autumn now? I, I suppose. Yeah, um, so I haven't I haven't raced a great deal so far this season, but I'm kind of preparing right now for the, uh, the hill climb season, which I suppose typically starts around this kind of time. So about the start of September and runs to you know, the national championships is uh, right at the end of October in the, the very last sort of Sunday of that month. So I'm basically in the midst of preparing for that. I think um, I'll uh, I'll be delaying racing slightly compared to what I did last year, just because I feel I'm a little bit behind uh, where I want to be training wise but uh, hopefully there's enough still enough time to uh, to get to some decent fitness levels before the uh, the sort of main part of the season and what do you think of the course um the the nationals course it's at Clangoflin this year on the other side of Horseshoe Pass yeah so it's uh, yeah it's the old Horseshoe Pass um I think that certainly suits me a lot better it's quite quite a bit steeper it kind of just tends to go sort of up the hillside rather than kind of around it um I did ride the uh, the regular horseshoe pass uh, last year, and yeah, found it was a li- little bit flat for 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 me who who sort of relies more on watts per kilogram rather than sort of raw power. There's a there's a fair bit of uh, flat in the in the middle of that um, in the middle of that climb, so 
yeah, I'm, quite, I'm, I'm going down to, uh, to, to check out the climb in the next sort of few weeks, uh, sort of in person. And uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it looks like a great climb. I think it'll be a really, a really good nationals venue. Yeah, we, we may well may well see you there ourselves at, at Bike Radar. We do, we, as, as you mentioned, we do like our, our hill climb diaries coverage. Um, that's actually, the mention of power is quite a good segue into the topic we're discussing today, which is the point of measuring power and the pros and potential cons of using a power meter. Um, so, Tom, could you um, explain what is cycling power and what, what does it mean? What's the equation that underpins it? Yeah, so it's, it's essentially, um, you know, force or torque um, times uh, multiplied by uh, rotational velocity uh, or, or cadence, as we sort of more commonly know it. So uh, if you press on the pedals harder or spin the pedals faster or ideally both, you know, that's that's how your power power will go up and that's kind of how it's calculated. Um, and then what it does is it essentially tells you your real world output. So I think we'll get on to talking about heart rate versus power, but heart rate's more of a kind of internal, you know, um, input measure. And then you've got power, which actually tells you what, what that what that effort is producing in the real world. What are the ways you can measure power, uh, whether that's when you're training indoors or you're riding outdoors on whatever bike? Yeah, so the the power measuring devices are going to be fairly similar um, from indoors to outdoors. They're typically strain gauges that are built into components of the bike. Um, Common sort of areas are cranks, um, rear hubs a little bit in the past, uh, pedals and that kind of thing. Um, And they're measuring like the deflection in the the component to, to calculate that power output. So so that that might be built into a turbo trainer a turbo trainer unit or a smart bike or it might be built into just a a regular component on a bike that you'd use outdoors so in terms of how they measure power it's generally fairly similar and we've got a a full buyer's guide to power meters on our website which we'll put a link to in 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 the um show notes but do you have any preference tom on which type of power meter you use is left-sided only useful or is it better to have a dual-sided power meter yeah, I think it comes down to often a question of, you know, resources and how much, you know, someone's willing to spend. The The single-sided ones tend to be a, a fair bit cheaper um, and, and they're a great way to get into, you know, power measurement. I think, I mean, I, um, in my hill climb racing and on the mountain bike, most of my power meters are, are, are one-sided. Sometimes it doesn't maybe give the, the most accurate power reading, I, I suppose, universally, but um, they, as long as they're fairly consistent, or, or as long as they're very consistent, I should say, um, you know, ride to ride, you, you can at least understand your data quite well. Um, with that, so I, I certainly wouldn't say. I think I think dual dual sided is a nice to have, and if you've got potentially some injuries that might cause like a leg um, a left right imbalance, then having the ability to measure both would be particularly useful there. Um, but you can certainly get into into power measurement just using a single sided power meter. Um, and I think, as far as I understand, I think if you have power being measured at the closer to the point of that force production, so you know maybe at the pedals or the crank set, that tends to be a little bit more accurate and a little less noisy than something that's a little bit further removed, say say the power tap hubs that uh, used to be fairly uh, common, you know, a few years ago. And um, when you're indoor training, is power quite a good way to make that more interesting? We're, we're starting to come into the the sort of the darker colder months now i think so um yeah it's what it what it allows is uh, indoor training just takes away a lot of variables that you experience outdoors so say 
you know, weather, different weather conditions, corners, um, varying gradients that mean you sometimes can't control your power quite as much as you'd want to do. Um, so, so indoor training is, um, it is great for that. Um, outdoor, outdoor riding certainly has its benefits, but, but indoor it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really good to, to have power there. And I think you're right that it can make it it more interesting you can uh, potentially structure your training a little bit more precisely have workouts have constantly changing elements that uh, that just keep your mind engaged which i think is the trick to indoor riding consistently over the winter as a coach have you seen riders who have been training with power on their turbo trainers then want to replicate that measurement out on the road yeah we have and that's something you some you know an issue potentially that you sometimes run into is that um you know different power meters have slightly different readings they they sometimes operate in a slightly different way um and that that little measurement of uh, error margin that they have can sometimes you know uh, mean that power measurement outside is kind of different to indoors and also just the i suppose the the mental difference of riding indoors versus outdoors can some you know have an effect on what uh, for a given uh, RPE or effort level, you know, a certain power output might be higher or lower indoors versus outdoors. Typically, it feels harder indoors to produce power than than outdoors. That's kind of the thing we see most commonly. Um, and, and sometimes that discrepancy is so great that you almost have to have like, say, an indoor threshold power number and an outdoor one. And, and so that the effort level feels, uh, you know, relatively similar. Oh, that, that's that's a really interesting point because we have um, one of my colleagues, Simon Bromley, has discussed um, power testing with, with you previously. And we'll also link to that episode. Um, but as a result of that, would you recommend doing a sort of separate fitness test indoors and then perhaps one that more replicates your ability on the road? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think you can, the, the, as we said, the benefits of indoor training is that it's very controlled. So I think it presents a good platform to do um, fitness testing on. Um, and if you if you if you try and consistently measure your power uh, indoors in that same environment and try and minimize the variables, you know you can have um, you can have the results be comparable from one to the other. They may not reflect what you can exactly do outside, but at least you can measure. You know you should be able to measure improvements there. Um, but but certainly, I think once the once the summer months come and the the weather starts to improve, I think doing some field based testing outdoors um, is is a good thing because if that's where you're going to be potentially racing and competing, you know you want you want to have uh, as little of a discrepancy there as possible and try to understand what you can actually produce in in that environment. And when people come away from the trainer and come onto the road or gravel or mountain bike, what is the point of knowing how much power you're putting out? Is it just in the in the there and now or is it more valuable when you come off the bike? Yeah, well, I think it differs uh, a little bit between, you know, road and off-road disciplines. Um, it's generally speaking harder con- to control your power in the moment when you're off-road. The terrain tends to dictate, you know, uh, the effort that you're putting in to a, to a greater degree. Um, I certainly think for for pacing efforts and for um, performing, say, structured interval training, that having power measurement in the moment is uh, is really useful. You know, compared to heart rate, it's very responsive, so you can see kind of mo- you know second by second what you're doing, rather than having that lag associated with with heart rate and both your sort of perception of effort, because both of those things take a take a while to catch up to what you're actually doing. Um, but I think you're right. Um, you can you can sometimes even if you don't look at the power output in the moment, say in a race, um, 
you can still you still have that data there to to analyze and diagnose afterwards which can be really useful in terms of working out you know potentially why you blew up in a race or 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 how the power changed you know how how much did you fatigue throughout the throughout the event and then you can take those learnings and put them into into you know um, translate them into training practices to to improve for, for future races which tools might a mountain bike racer or just a, a a competitive mountain bike rider use to identify those trends in their data so there's a few different software um products out there now i mean strava's getting uh, very good in terms of their suite of uh analysis tools um training peaks is another one we tend to use that you know in our, in our coaching and um, that's quite a popular one um and there's other other sort of uh, software out there in intervals so icu is another is another good one that can help uh, particularly their sort of um usp i suppose was easy identification of you know efforts and peaks and intervals so so that's that's quite useful um but but generally these soft software tools will allow you to um get a good clear overview of key metrics from a ride or a race and then also allow you to dive in more closely isolate certain sections of a um of a file you know to analyze to analyze those in greater detail yeah what i particularly like with training peaks is be able to look at zones power zones and time spent in zones um, power distribution but you can also on the on a line graph look at exactly when your power might have fallen off and then once you've spotted that drop off after a certain number of time you can then address that in your training can't you exactly yeah so you can look at uh, potentially how many kilojoules were burnt you can um, you, you know you can look at how many times you potentially uh, reached over your threshold? So if you've if you've done some kind of you know, threshold test and worked out a, a general range for where your your um, threshold power might lie, then you can look at um, you know how many times you actually exceeded that, um, and then sort of work backwards to again to diagnose whether you know that was too much and whether the next race you should limit that a little bit, and you can just see obviously how far into the race in terms of time uh, how far into the race in ter- uh, race or ride in terms of time you got or um you know you know that kind of thing uh, so it's uh, th- those those tools are are really useful in a number of ways is there any use in someone who's a less um competitive uh, off-road rider maybe on a gravel ride actually getting uh, an off-road specific power meter to measure let's say um, their pacing to look at their pacing strategy over a long gravel ride is that is that useful or can that be done more on heart rate and feel you can certainly use you know heart rate and feel and i think it's good to especially with feel um so or rating of perceived exertion i think it's really good to, to try and understand your body so that if those metrics aren't available you you can fairly accurately gauge your sort of effort level and, and pace properly um I actually think that uh, you know power measurement in general is um, most useful probably for more beginner and you know less experienced riders because um, they just you know maybe just haven't had the time to to really understand their body and they need that little bit of extra help to to measure what they're actually doing in the moment and um, and to use post post ride or post race analysis to understand potentially where they went wrong so um so so yeah i I would actually say it i think sometimes it's a bit of a misconception that power is for you know more experienced or more elite riders but actually i think probably those that are newer to the sport can can maybe benefit benefit from from that data more 
Would you recommend, Tom, someone using a power meter on all of their bikes? Or is having it on one perhaps your best bike and then maybe your commuting or more winter training bike not having one? Is that is that okay? Because on those other ones, perhaps you can estimate the workload and rely a bit more on the sensations. Yeah, I think I think it comes down to how sort of serious you want to get get about that. Um, get with the training. Um, if you don't have, uh, let's say, power measurement on every bike, there can sometimes be gaps in the data there that you kind of, as you rightly said, have to fill in with uh, with other metrics, which can be done. It's just um, you know maybe a little bit more effort, and maybe you just have to. Uh, put a bit more thought into interpreting certain certain graphs and certain trends but um yeah i mean it's a nice to have if you have power measurement on every bike but um even then you run into issues of again like we were saying power meters reading slightly differently so sometimes even you know between bikes the data isn't 100 percent comparable um, and also your position on the bike as well can affect you know your muscle fiber recruitment patterns which can have a downstream effect of affecting power. So there are always going to be little little discrepancies and differences. But um, I think if you have the have the means to do so, then then having power on on all your bikes will just mean that there aren't those you know those gaps in uh, in in your data. But I think you can fill in. I can. I think you can fill in those with more maybe rudimentary um, rudimentary tools like heart rate or perception of effort. Yeah, we're we're getting on to training load and the the power metrics that are known as a training stress score, and that's particularly useful when you're working out how hard exactly you are training, rather than just using time. So, power power measurement longer term is 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 really useful as well, isn't it? It is. Yeah, that, I think that's that's part of where the value really comes. Is is um, you, you can obviously look in in isolation at. Um, individual workouts but looking at the trends over time and actually seeing how you know how that's changing and uh, both measuring improve, measuring improvement but also your um, the, the amount of stress you're putting on the body so that you can you know understand what, what's optimal and how, how much recovery you should pair with that um, yeah the power power measurement really uh, feeds into that and makes that a, a lot a lot easier to do and you can also look at your relative strengths and weaknesses as a rider using something called mean maximal power curve. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's it's the power you can hold for a certain length of time, and it tends to obviously decrease as as time increases. Is that is that one of the the more valuable metrics if you do want to become a more rounded rider? Work on your climbing or work on your sprinting, for example. Yeah, I think that's really the key to knowing how to train well. Um, so, so the approach we take, you know, with uh, with new athletes is firstly to figure out what that um, physiological profile looks like. So, as you say, you you um, perform a series of efforts from very short, almost maximal sprint uh, type efforts to something more sustained, and a couple in between to to fill out that curve. And then you can start to understand, okay, where is this? Where is this athlete particularly strong? Where are they maybe limited? And how does that relate to the demands of what they're actually preparing for? So you can take, you know, that that athlete's physiological profile and what maybe is the ideal physiological profile for someone preparing for the events that they're preparing for. And, you know, overlay them to see where the discrepancies, uh, where, where the differences are so that you can say, OK, well, you're quite well optimized in, you know, over these kind of durations or or with these kind of energy energy systems but you know this area over here is really limited so this presents the biggest opportunity this is the low-hanging fruit where we can use your training time to 
to, to see the biggest biggest benefit. So it, it, it is really important in understanding that individual athletes strengths and limiters profile and then having that dictate the training that you should do to see the biggest improvements what are the type of profile of athletes you tend to see some examples might be time trialist versus sprinter yeah we we see it um obviously a wide range um and it can be quite interesting sometimes because you might have someone who classifies more of like an as an explosive sprinter type but they're you know targeting maybe long duration um you know european sportives and so sometimes the the athlete comes and they're well suited to what they're preparing for and sometimes that physiological profile or just their you know performance is quite is quite different so um, that obviously then dictates um, what what you'll actually do in the training to get them prepared, and it kind of as I suppose demonstrates that you know using a one size fits all approach just is, is isn't going to work in a, in a lot of cases because some you know athletes uh, just need an individualised approach quite a lot of the time. And in essence, it's impossible to work out really what you're good and less good at without using a power meter. I think it I think it helps enormously. I think you can um get a little bit of a sense of where how that profile looks in terms of just, you know, asking the athlete about um you know how they feel in their in their ride. So if they're on a group ride for instance, do they feel that they're good when uh the, you know the power's drawn out and sustained or do they do they feel that uh oh, when there's you know these short kickers I can you know, one to two minutes, I can power up those and drop everyone. But as soon as that power starts to be strung out and it's um, it's more of a longer effort, that's when I start to suffer. So you can start to reverse engineer, you know, their performance in the real world to say, okay, well, this, you know, this part of their physiology might be limited. This might be strong. How does that relate to to what they're actually preparing for again? So you, you can you can diagnose it sometimes from from just their perceptions of how they ride and and their. Uh, you know where they're strong and where they're they're weak in the real world but uh, power certainly helps with that it gives you more concrete numbers um, to to work with another similar limitations to just relying on heart rate Um, would it be optimal to actually look at both power and heart rate in tandem definitely yeah i think um you know having having both strengthens the value of each one of those um as we were kind of saying at the start heart rate's more of like an input measure so how how hard is how hard are you actually working and then your power is telling you what that's actually producing in the real world which is what you care about you know it, a race a race result isn't dictated by who tried the hardest it's it's who it's who put out the most you know whose output was the highest so uh, understanding the relationship between the two is really important. And then again, you can look at trends over time to see for a given effort level, am I you know, getting more out in the real world or is it going the other way? And perhaps I need to address something in, in the training that's not working. Um, so heart rate's good on its own if you don't have anything else and power's also good on its own. But combining the two, I think, is a really powerful, powerful combination. What might the relationship between um, power and heart rate tell you if if your heart rate's staying the same, but the the level of power you're producing at that heart rate is going up? So it can tell you that that would be, I suppose, in most cases, an, an ideal situation. I think you also need to bring in RPE or your perception, you know, how hard it's actually feeling into that as well to really determine um uh, you know what's happening there because sometimes sometimes the heart rate can be higher and that could be a good thing it tends to mean sometimes you're you're well rested if if the heart rate's very responsive 
Uh, certainly you want to see power output going up because that's the thing you ultimately care about. But uh, yeah, ideally looking at the relationship of the two and seeing power going up for a fixed heart you know heart rate or a lowered heart rate and uh, a sort of fixed or lowered effort level is um is generally speaking what you're looking for and how can measuring power help um looking at watts per kilo which is how much how powerful you are relative to your weight yeah i think that's one of the interesting things that again power measurement opens up is you can relate it back to your to your body weight that's particularly um important when we're talking about climbing um so in in hill climb time trials, which I'm kind of uh, preparing myself for now, that's essentially the golden the golden number. That's that's what you want to to maximise. Um, so so yeah, it's um, it, it's it's really useful for anything with um, you know with significant climbing. So if you can either improve your power output relative to a, a fixed body weight or reduce your body weight and maintain your power. Or ideally, in a safe way, you know, uh, reduce that weight slightly and increase the power. Then um, you you should see some pretty drastic improvements in your you know times over climb stra- Strava segments, time trials, etc. And actually, if if you do want to lose weight safely, um, in theory, the kilojoules that come from measuring power are quite a good idea of how much you might need to eat to slowly uh, drop the weight down. They are kilojoules is certainly a um, you know a metric that we or a, a set of values that we look at quite often. Um, it, it just just by chance, um, uh, you know, when you when you're measuring power in a ride, uh, kilojoules will pretty much equal you know the calories uh, calories expended. So you can use that as you say to guide how much maybe you want to be in a calorie deficit um, day to day to to lose a certain amount of weight, um, and you can you can use um, those kind of figures to to understand what what you're actually burning in a ride and how much you need to you know fuel to fuel to to keep that ride going or or post ride to actually sort of replenish what you've what you've burned on on the flip side of that is um is potentially becoming a more powerful rider and maybe your weight going up but your increase in power compensating for that is that a viable strategy even for hill climbing i think it is i I think sometimes you can get a little bit too focused on you know reducing the body weight and that that might lead um that might lead to a a slight you know reduction in power just because if you know if if muscle mass has been is is part of that part of the reason you're you're losing weight then certainly you know power output could come down but also there's a big question of health here as well and everyone will have uh, an ideal weight and and a, and, a, and a level at which if they go below that in terms of weight they start to you know risk risk um, getting ill or um, injured uh, and just being generally unhealthy so I, I think um, if you can improve your power output that's going to be the thing that's 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 going to be the best if you if you, you know if you can't really do both because that's going to help you with your watts per kilogram but also you know, as we were talking about on climbs, there are sometimes um, flatter sections where raw power actually becomes more important. So you, you kind of get in the best of both both worlds if your if your power goes up um, more more so than the weight. If you can reduce the weight in a safe way and still be healthy and um, and fit, then then great. But uh, I think increasing power is always always a good thing. And is that because um, raw power is more effective on a on a flatter terrain and 
where watts per kilo becomes less relevant yeah so so on 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 you know flatter terrain if if you can produce say you know 500 watts um versus someone who's producing 350 watts you you know you're just going to uh, you're just going to be going faster all things being equal you know there's uh, lighter weight riders sometimes have a, a better aerodynamic profile, for instance, which might help with with their speed. But power output is going to be the main driver for that. So you might have two athletes who, you know, one's heavier but can produce more power. The other one's lighter, produce a bit less power on the steep, very steeper gradients. That that lighter rider may have a slight advantage with watts per kilogram. But as soon as it becomes sort of flatter, um, you know the the balance shifts in the in to, to the other person and, and they they then have the advantage so i think um yeah just generally having more power is going to help in in both of those domains and if, again if you can reduce body weight slightly then then happy days and can um power measurement be used to become more aerodynamic by looking how fast you're going at a certain speed and how much power you're producing because it's it could be possible that you're not capitalizing on that power if you're producing quite a lot of drag yeah definitely power power measurement is definitely one of the things that you know um aerodynamic um assessments will will look at you're essentially trying to reduce your yeah your drag coefficient for um at a a similar power output so if you can if you can produce the same amount of power or more um and get uh you know more slippery um then uh then yeah that's that's uh that's again an ideal situation and that that will that will become more relevant in you know flatter time trials and faster races um as compared to something that's maybe at a slower speed and a, on a on a steeper gradient most people coming from indoor training to power measurement will be familiar with ftp as a as a way of analyzing power but are there other methods that you'd recommend yeah, so FTP is certainly useful to get to get a, a bit of a measure on where your general current performance is. So I think most uh, people that are familiar with power will understand uh, or will know of the um, typical kind of FTP test protocol. So maybe like a 20 minute maximal effort or something like a, a ramp test where you can then get basically a single number that uh, represents that sort of threshold. And then you can ex- try and extrapolate from there what you might be able to hold for longer periods say say around 60 to 70 minutes um it, it's certainly limited i think in in what it can actually tell you and that that level of extrapolation can be um more or less useful for for some athletes depending on their the sort of physiology and those kinds of things um critical power is another method that you can use to to find like a similar threshold figure but what it will also tell you is your capacity above that threshold as well which often is described as a bit like a battery of energy which as soon as you ride over that threshold you start depleting it and once that that those kilojoules are gone you know they're gone so what you can understand there is the relationship between where your threshold is and the size of this um above threshold battery and that can that can tell you again that can help you decide whether you know that athlete is particularly strong you know, more explosively or over shorter durations or whether they're more limited in their sustained power. And you can then make the right training interventions to, to work on what they need to work on to prepare for the, their event demands. Critical power does require generally a minimum of two maximal efforts, something something a little bit shorter, something a little bit longer. There is a three minute all out test that you can use for that, but you kind of have to have uh, particular equipment for that. And it's a 
it's about the most grueling test you could possibly do. So I, th- I don't think that's something people would want to want to repeat too too regularly. And it requires quite quite a lot of familiarization trials. You know, you want to go through two or three of those to to make sure you're not pacing yourself because the idea with that is that you don't you know every every pedal stroke should be like as hard as you could possibly go. So that that's not really recommended for the general person. But uh, yeah, critical power, I think with a little bit more effort in terms of putting in um, one or two more maximal efforts, you can you can get, I think, more information than you can from just FTP testing. Yeah, and as um, Tom set out in an article on our, on our website, the um, critical um, power testing protocol could, uh, could involve up to four tests, couldn't it? Perhaps one six 12 minutes and perhaps a 20 an additional 20 minute all-out effort exactly yeah the the reason we kind of add that 20 minute in is because then you can't you know you have the option to to apply some uh you know ftp calculations to them so you get you're not just choosing critical power or ftp or or you know or another metric you can kind of use use all of them um and get more of a well-rounded sense of uh sense of where where you're at currently are there any uh, more advanced power metrics that you can benefit from measuring? Yeah, we've touched on training stress score, which um, calculates your training load, efficiency factor, intensity factor, and normalized power. Are any of those uh, particularly valuable? Yeah, certainly normalized power is an interesting one to look at, often more so than average power, especially if we're talking, you know, off-road disciplines as well, where the power the, the power tends to be very stochastic or choppy. Um, the normalized power will help give a more accurate picture of the sort of metabolic cost of that um, because it's it's harder to go you know above and below constantly than it is to sort of hold a, a steady steady effort so often um, average power is not quite as useful in terms of understanding what you actually did compared to normalized power so certainly normalized power is one to one to look at and then there are going to be metrics that become more or less important to to certain riders depending on what they're preparing for and in terms of where they are in the season so you know in that sort of early early season what we might might term as sort of the base period you're probably going to be looking more at uh, you know building a strong endurance foundation so metrics like efficiency factor which measure, measures the relationship of your heart rate to power throughout throughout a ride or throughout a section of a ride um, can tell you over time if your power output's improving for that for that same um you know input input level um and uh and then you know maybe later in the year you, you're looking more at uh you know peak numbers and, and that kind of thing so sometimes the metrics you look at that uh, that are most going to be most important will change throughout the throughout the year depending on what your training goals are but um i would say normalized power and uh, kilojoules burnt and that kind of thing are some of the ones that you'll find that you're looking at sort of time and again and um in summary, Tom, it's, it seems like you've said that all levels of rider can benefit from measuring power from beginner right up to advanced riders and perhaps even people newer to the sport gain the most benefit. And it's certainly something that uh, mountain bikers as well as road riders could and perhaps should be using. Yeah, I think um, I think it can apply to all kinds of ability levels and across all kinds of disciplines as well. Um, obviously, uh, it's going to be more slightly more useful you know, in rides and in races from discipline to discipline. But um, I think I think pretty much everyone could benefit from either having that power re- power relayed back to them during a ride or having the ability to look retrospectively at what they what they did in a ride or race 
to to take some learnings to then uh, you know potentially improve i think if if uh, if riders don't have any fitness or performance goals and literally they ride for fun then i don't think you need any of these numbers and sometimes sometimes they can be a bit distracting some people just based on their personality don't like to dive into data and don't really like the numbers they prefer to ride more on more on feel and sensation um so so for those right i wouldn't say it's you know universally um recommended but certainly i think if you have um fitness or performance goals and you're trying to structure your training in a certain way then um then having power there to look at during a ride or and or afterwards is uh, is useful and probably worth the investment Great. Thanks, Tom. It's been really interesting speaking to you and thanks for coming on the Bike Radar podcast. Hey, no problem. Thanks. Uh, It was great to talk to you about that. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. If you did enjoy this podcast, please give us a five star rating on your favourite podcast provider. And if there's anything we can improve, we'd be grateful for your feedback in the comments or on the article that we'll upload to the website. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share with whoever you think might enjoy it too. Thanks again for listening and speak soon. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.